Well, like a lot of people, as I've said, I've been a bit distracted this week uh, by the coronavirus and responding to that issue. So um, I came to this sermon preparation a bit later than I usually do after going out and making sure we have enough toilet paper, enough pasta. Went out last night to look at, uh, make sure our puff pastry stocks were up and the chocolate was, was sufficient. So I think that's good. And because I was prepared, you know, we might be locked up for weeks at home without being able to get out and get more supplies. Um, and as I started my sermon last night, I'm like, how can I, how can I relate to this story um, of Noah and his sons coming out from being locked up inside the ark for a long time <laughs> during the flood? And what could I find a, a re, something relevant for us? It was really hard for me. Um, so you can see <laughs> what I'm saying here. Um, Many of us have been preparing this week about, oh, well, maybe I might have to live through a pandemic. I might have to enter into a time when I have to retreat into my home for weeks at a time without having to go out. Not sure how things are going to pass over and when that might be. There is uncertainty, isn't there? There's anxiety among a lot of people. We're preparing to wait for an unknown period of time, hoping for signs and words that things might be about to get better and we can come out. And that was how it might have felt to Noah and his family and all their animals. They were cooped up in the ark, we read, for a year at a time. So let's think about this story. Last week we started to think about the story of Noah and the flood, which is in Genesis. As we talked about, probably as a description, what does it mean for human beings to be part of the destruction of God's creation? a destructive presence in God's creation. And the hope that we have that even if that happens, if humans participate in destruction, God is going to carry us through to the other side into a new beginning. This is the promise and the hope that this story expresses. Because the flood is kind of a symbol in the Bible for a lot of things, like for every trial and every disaster that overcomes us. For the uh, uh, King, da King uh, David who wrote Psalms, it was like he was surrounded by enemies. That was the flood. He was surrounded by grief that would rise up and almost cover him over. We are surrounded by floods, always. We're surrounded by the moment by a viral pandemic around us. And, but we, what we heard is in the midst of our flood, you know, our faith is actually in God. He is the creator and saviour of the world and he carries his people through those things. This is what we thought about last, last week. Now, the story of the flood is a very significant story in our series on the making of our world, and we've been considering this opening portion of the Bible, the opening chapters of Genesis, and these stories that really set the scene for the rest of the Bible and what it's about. And what we see here, I think, is the development of what you might call a biblical worldview. Now, a worldview is really a series of answers to questions like, why are we here? Who are we? What's going on? Those sorts of things. What is the world about? And so that's it. so these, these um, are questions that the Bible intends to answer. And these series of uh, stories set up some of those answers and questions. And the story of Noah, I think, describes part of the worldview that we have of people who realize that the world we're in, where are we? We're in a place that is God's creation, that he cares about. We're part of a world that is made as a place for the presence of God to live in. But it's a world that has also been distorted by evil, distorted by sin, and the destruction that, we, that has been brought in it by us and others. But a place that is still beautiful, a place that's still loved by God and that he still has plans for. This is a worldview that the Bible has. And also in this world, we are the images of God as people. And what we do actually impacts the physical and spiritual environment around us. And that's one of the messages of Noah for us. 
Noah realizes as he looks around that human beings have the capacity to undo and to destroy parts of God's creation through our failure, through our greed, through our violence and the way that we treat each other and the world around us. That brings about the flood. But God intends, though, that creation is going to continue despite this, and so he provides people second chances and third chances and fourth chances for us to cooperate in creation with him. And that's, again, part of the worldview that the Bible presents. So Noah goes into the ark and he trusts that he and his family are going to come out again on the other side as creation is submerged under the water. And they do. And in this passage we read today, what happens when this family comes out onto the high ground as the flood recedes and they're ready to start again with God? And I think this story is about the establishment of this family in a new life with God under new circumstances after the flood. And so what does that mean? And so it's very much actually, if you read it attentively, it's very much like a new creation story. It's, there's a lot of elements here that are very similar to Genesis chapter 1 and the story of creation and Adam and Eve. So particular, particularly Noah and his family are told by God, as Adam and Eve were, that it's now your job to go out to multiply in the world and to fill it. And God reaffirms to them, you are made in my image, as he said to Adam and Eve in this first story. But there is a difference here with the first creation story, and it's an acknowledgement of the fact that things have gone wrong, and the need in this creation for human beings to have kind of boundaries around our life in the world and to understand how we're going to keep on God's path as we go through the world with him. And so in this passage, we find the description of what we call a covenant between God and Noah, and it's an agreement a covenant is an agreement between people, like a contract. And this covenant between God and Noah is an agreement. What is life going to be like in the world now? In the Bible, there are quite a few of these covenants described between God and his people, where the biblical characters say, oh, oh, sorry, and the nation of Israel, uh, they enter into agreements with God. How are they going to live together if you're going to be my people? And the most famous would be the covenant between God and the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai, and Moses and the Ten Commandments were given. And the Ten Commandments are not just a list of rules, they're actually a contract that God makes with people about how they're going to behave. So God's covenant with Noah and his family in this story is a bit different to these later covenants in the Bible, though, because it's not a particular covenant specifically with Noah or with a nation or group of people. It's actually a general agreement or covenant between God and human beings a general agreement between God and human beings and life on earth. And I would describe this idea as he's laying down the basic conditions for ongoing human life in the world, what that's going to be like. And so this is the covenant that's signified by the rainbow. Now, the rainbow is a beautiful picture, of course, and it's a very common to be used. Again, I said Noah always turns up in uh, children's Bibles because it's got the animals and it's got the rainbow. Um, what the rainbow symbolizes here, though, is basically a promise or an understanding from God that he's not going to destroy people. Now, as a contract goes, I don't think that's the most positive we can imagine, the I will not kill you clause. Um, a beautiful rainbow, I'm not going to kill you. Uh, but it's perhaps a necessary one for to understand life in the world. And what it essentially means is that God is giving an undertaking here in this story that he will be the faithful creator and sustainer of the world as long as human beings are in it. So I'll repeat that. God is giving an undertaking. He will be the faithful creator and sustainer of the world as long as human beings are in it. So he's not going to be acting towards us as our judge or destroyer of the world in this time. So the rainbow, why does the rainbow symbolise that? Well, the rainbow actually, in a full one, looks like a bow, doesn't it? I think this is actually the image that's meant to me, like a bow and arrow. 
And God is saying, look, I have my bow, my darts of judgment. I'm laying that down. I'm not going to shoot, shoot at you. We are at peace. So this covenant with Noah is a covenant of peace. Uh, peace between God and human beings, this peace that allows the world to go on. We have hope that God will um, sustain it. Um, and God asks for also in this covenant, and he, he expects that peace is supposed to reign between us as well, between human beings and between human beings in the creation. It's, so it's a covenant of peace, more like the covenant of quiet, like a kind of a truce on creation to allow it to go forward. It's not a perfect peace. It's not necessarily a covenant about loving harmony. It's more an accommodation. We're going to get along. I want to get along. I want us all to get along. For instance, we can see in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve are only given the fruit and vegetables to eat. That's a peaceful, um, harmonious scenario. The animals just do their thing. But after Noah, we say, yeah, there's acknowledgement. Look, things between us and animals are a bit different. We're going to eat them now. But there are limitations on that in this covenant. We're not allowed, this particularly it says you're not supposed to eat meat with any blood in it. Now, we might not understand that idea, but basically in the Bible, the blood of an animal is its life. And so if you eat the blood of an animal, you're sort of trying to take in its life and say, I want to own this and possess it. Uh, so God is saying, look, you can eat animals, that's the way it's going to work, but you don't own them. You know, it's not, you know you're not taking them in. You know, they're, they're just part of your life. Um, and he says, even less do other people's lives belong to us, and we are accountable for them. Any, we are the image of God, he says, so if you take someone's life, if, if you take their blood, um, you'll be held in account for that, for breaking that peace that we have. So as we finish this um, story, we see that the covenant with Noah presumes creation isn't in a perfect state at the moment. There are still problems between God and humanity and between humanity and the rest of creation after the flood. But in that, there is the possibility of a way of life that we can live, we can get along well enough until something better comes along. That's how I read this story. And we'll see in a couple of weeks when Abraham get, enters the story that God does promise that something better is going to come a new covenant that actually heals this, this situation. So what does the story of Noah and the rainbow tell us about the making of our world and for us today? And how does it get us from, where we, from the beginning into the main story of the Bible? Because the main story of the Bible is how does God work with people for their salvation? It's the story that leads to Jesus. And Noah sets us up for that. And I think what it reminds us today is, as Christians is that the creation story, God is our creator, actually is underneath and it kind of holds up and sustains the story that we have of God as our saviour, the story of Jesus. So those things go together. In other words, you know, as Christians we're invited into a supernatural life, we're invited into the Holy Spirit to receive him, a new way to be a new creation and a new way of living. But underneath that, behind it, is this normal natural life we have as creatures made by God who sustains us in that life. And so everyone, no matter who they are, we're under this covenant of Noah. The promise is God wants us to get along and live in peace with him and others so that we are ready for salvation to come and we can have this potential of a new life with him. So it's really about an ordinary life that God is calling us to, which is a good one, and preparing for him. I think it tells us when we become Christians, we don't leave creation behind. Um, we build on that foundation. We're made in the image of God. That's true for everyone, and he's calling us to something higher. So, you know, it's easy if you get into the spiritual life to get your head in the clouds a little, uh, but the covenant of Noah says you need to keep your feet on the ground as well. We're still grounded in creation and our life with others. 
So being a spiritual person, we're also a physical person as well. And we're always then responsible for the way that we live in creation in this world that God's made and the way we treat it, the life of other people, the life of the animals around us, the life of our world. It's not our own and we need to look after it. We need to live at peace with it. And so this, because God, in, in, in the, after the flood we see this kind of a balance that God rebuilds after the flood, the balance between him and people in the world. But it's a precarious one. And next week we'll look at the story of the Tower of Babel and that's about how that balance gets out of whack again and how we can be part of that. Um, and he's saying don't participate in that. Uh, you know, so we're living in the world and I think the story of Noah is an affirmation of normal human life and its importance to God in the world, the life that we all have to live. And normal human life isn't easy. We live that life in the midst of the world but we're just sort of trying to get along at the moment in many ways. You know, There's a watchful peace between us mostly, between the communities uh, and nations of the world, between us and God. And things often break out that kind of undermine that peace. And the viral pandemic is one of those things. It changes the balance between us and creation and we need to think about how we get back into balance. But God's intention in all of this, Noah, Noah knows, is not to judge us, it's not to punish the world again. That's not what's happening. His intention is to save it and preserve it and so it can be saved. And so I think what the point of this story is we do have that hope of God's preservation, even in the midst of this sort of difficult time we're in. So just thinking about that today, I want to encourage you today with this story. You know, we are going into a time when, you know, things are going to change. It's a difficult time. It's like the flood for us, maybe. Um, But, you know, in the midst of that, the rainbow is still in the sky. We have hope. God's intentions towards us are good, and he wants to preserve us and sustain us for the future. This is a sign forever, God says. He says to Noah, when I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on the earth. And in chapter 8, in the previous chapter, when Noah comes out of the ark, God says to him, I just want you to know, I will never again destroy all living things. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. It's an encouragement for us today. So. Let's reflect on that. Amen.